Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. And uh, as everybody um, out there might know, we I have been doing a lot more public speaking on leadership and building teams and creating extraordinary cultures and working with millennials. And um, it has been absolutely just an amazing journey. If there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. But through that, I met an amazing woman. I heard her speak, Judy Hoberman. Um, she wrote a book called Walking on the Glass Floor and Selling in a Skirt. She's an international speaker and trainer and coach, um, author and mentor. She's been in business for over 30 years. But as I heard her share about one thing, about empowering women uh, in the workforce and how men, how we need to be working with women. We have such diverse uh, workforces out there, but actually how to do that, how to break through some of those barriers, what we need to be doing, how to just create excellence in all that we are called to do. Judy is just absolutely an amazing woman. Uh, I've just, uh, it's just been a treat to get to know her and I'm really excited that we get to share with you uh, the conversation that Sandra and I had with Judy. So here we go. If, if you know anybody out there that would love this, please share it with them. Um, we'd love to see you in our Facebook group at Eternal Leadership, facebook.com forward slash Eternal Leadership. All right, guys, uh, talk to you soon. And anything at all we can do for you, any comments or feedback on the podcast, things we can do better, a guest you'd like to see, please let us know. And here you go. Here is Judy. All right. Today, Sandra, on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, we have Judy Hoberman. Judy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I've been waiting for this day. No, me too. I'm so excited. So everybody out there, there's an amazing group in Dallas called Success North Dallas. If you live in that area, just Google Success North Dallas. You need to go, need to be part of it. But Judy, the day that I was down there and, and, and Bill Wallace invited me to come and, and be part of this amazing uh, event that you guys do monthly, um, you were the keynote speaker. And you, you know, you've written a book called Selling in a Skirt and Walking on the Glass Floor. And I got to tell you, your message was so powerful. And you guys are, everybody listening is just absolutely in for a treat. This is one you're going to want to listen to again, share with some friends. Uh, I immediately walked up to you, Judy, and said, I love you. You're awesome. I know you don't know me, but would you please come on my podcast? Because I need you to share that with our audience. So thank you so much for making the time. Uh, you're just a, you're just a bright light out there. And I'd love to start before we get into just some some just some incredible some powerful issues uh, around you know uh, around developing our confidence and helping others and achieving what we can as a man or a woman right i know that's a big part about you and sandra's story um but could you tell a little bit about your story your background just so people can get to to know you and you know what you've done and where you're coming from so the, I really do have to start when I was five, because when I was five, my father kept telling me that I couldn't do anything with my brothers because girls don't do that and girls don't do this and girls don't do that. And and truly, when I think back of why I do what I do today, it started there. Because when somebody says girls don't do that, you kind of remember that. You remember these things that have been put into your brain. It may not come up, but mine kept coming up you know, as I was going through my career. And I started my, my first official career uh, as a fuller brush person. Person. And if anybody out there is old enough to know about Fuller Brush, that was true door-to-door salespeople. You remember that, I know. <laughs> so you were you were knocking on people's doors and you were asking people to buy brushes and brooms and all kinds of things that you there's no way you could be passionate about that. But I was. I was excited about everything. And my first door was my mom. And my mom said no. 
she said no to me. And I thought, well, how could your mom say no to you? And she said, let me tell you two things. And this actually formed my entire sales career. She said, number one, just because someone loves you doesn't mean that they're going to buy something if they don't need it. But number two, just because someone loves you, it means that they're going to share you with their friends, which is what we call referrals. And that's what she did because she didn't need any brushes or brooms or anything like that. So she that's how I started. I went into commercial roofing. I was the only female. I went to copiers. I was the only female. I did all of these things in every single position that I went into. I was the only female. And I landed for a couple of decades in insurance. And again, only female. And this time it was a little bit different because all the men would say to me, you take too long. You ask too many questions. You're such a girl. Everybody has to be your friend. And to me, it translated as building relationships. And I knew that's what we all needed in order to do great business. Whether you are an entrepreneur, whether you are in in a C-suite, it doesn't matter. You have to have relationships. And that's really what got me going about this is how you do business. And so a lot of the men did not accept what I was doing because I was such a girl. They wanted me to get in, get out, and get the check. And yet, in sales, the only thing you're judged on are numbers. And when they saw my numbers skyrocket, they thought, oh, she must know something. And so I went into a corporate position briefly, and I trained a lot of people, and then I started my company selling in a skirt. And I taught women how to sell and love selling instead of going, ugh, I don't like selling. And I taught men how to build relationships with their clients. And all of a sudden, you started to see what was was happening. But it goes further because it's also in leadership. You have to be able to sell things to your your team. You have to be able to, you know, make sure that there's relationships before you need them. And that's really what I've done. And that's what I do. I train, I coach, I consult, I write, I do a whole bunch of things. Yeah, you do do a whole bunch of things. Now, I got to ask you a question. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're, you grew up with your dad telling you these different things. And you must be quite the... Uh, uh, a woman of strength in a contrarian because you go into fuller brush and roofing and insurance. Uh, you know, what are some of those things you think that that allowed you to kind of go in that direction and do well? Because there's probably a lot of self-talk going, is this the right thing? Well, the self-talk wasn't, is this the right thing? The self-talk was, you're such a girl, you can't do this, you can't do this. And my father told me that I'd never amount to anything because all I was was pretty and I wasn't smart. And so Mm. that self-talk, you know, you're like, you have to keep rewinding the tapes. But I was doing things because I thought I could make a difference. If if I can't bring value and I can't make a difference, I'm not going to do it. I don't care how much fun it is. I don't care if it's the buzzword. I don't care if you can make a gazillion dollars. If I can't bring value, I'm not going to do it. And I knew in construction what I was doing in roofing, I knew I could bring value. I knew in insurance I could bring value. I knew it. And so for me, I had to get I had to find something that motivated me and keep going. And in insurance, because it was such a long time I was there, I knew that my one and only job right then and there, I was a single mom, was to protect my family. So if I could protect my family, why couldn't I protect someone else's? Mm. And that's, that's what got me in the very beginning to keep going every single day. There was a family out there that needed me. Somebody needed me. And, um, and that's what happened. And all of a sudden, people were like, yeah, I need what you have. And yeah, look, can you go to my sister? Can you go to my cousin? And my entire book of business after maybe two months, maybe three months at the most, was 100% referrals. I never had to do the cold calling anymore, which was at that time a yellow pages that they handed you. That's it wasn't. Right. 
right? Okay, so I never had to do it anymore because I built these relationships and people trusted me and they kept saying, you, you know, you make it easy for us. You keep it simple, you, you know, so that's what I did. That's what kept me going. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to try to do this. I just did it. But, but the confidence it, it had to take was, wow. I mean, I, I, I came up um, a little bit behind you, but, you know, most of my career have been the only woman in the room. And so a lot of times it's, it's the confidence to just say, all right, here it is. I'm going to go for it. That's and, right. You know, as you said earlier, confidence is kind of coming back as this hot topic for men, for women, for you know, baby boomers, for millennials, for kids in high school and middle school. I mean, the self-esteem issues middle schoolers are having is crazy. So, you know, you talk specifically about confidence. Um, What would you say out there to our listeners who are just, you know, kind of hanging their head um, and trying to face something and confidence is their biggest challenge? So a confidence, what's interesting about confidence, Sandra, is that it really is a topic that now people are, I'm using air quotes, allowed to talk about. We weren't allowed to talk about this before, right? Because it just meant that you were, you know, you were weak or you were a loser, whatever it was. For me, I would tell all the listeners that you have to look and see what you're doing and decide where your strengths are. Like what part of what you're doing makes you feel good or where do you know that you can bring value? I always tell all my clients, you become the expert in something. Okay, you know, if we were selling insurance, there's a million insurance agents, but if you were the expert in millennials, if you were the expert in single moms, become that expert and let people know. All of a sudden, your confidence is very different. You know, if you're in a position where you can find one thing that people can ask you questions on and you have the, you know, the right answer and you become a resource, you're the expert in that. It could be the expert in ballpoint pens, you you know, whatever, it, it doesn't matter. Become the expert in something and own the title. Your confidence will shoot through the roof because everybody's going to come to you for that particular thing. And that's how it starts. Yeah, I call it own the niche. Yep. Like, there's so, it's such diverse out there. There's so many industries, so many people, so many ages, so many cities, so many geographies, so many verticals, so many industries. Like, Pick a niche and own it. Know absolutely every single thing about it. So own the niche. Absolutely. Yeah, and then wear that title, wear that crown, whatever it is. You know, Fox Business News named me uh, the uh, gender expert. So people say, well, how do you become a gender expert? Okay, that's the title that they gave me because when it comes to something that has to do with women, they contact me and we do all kinds of, you know, radio shows across the country, whatever that is. But I own that. Somebody says, what are you the expert in? I'm, the, I'm a gender expert. They gave me the title. I'm owning it. So that's Absolutely. what you have to do, right? You own it. Yes, you own it. Yes. Yes, sister. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm, All right, you I'm go, high-fiving girl. you, Sandra. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but, you, but you're so right. And, and I have to say, as, as women, you know, we were kind of told, don't be confident. Don't, you know, don't give yourself those, those titles, you know, that sort of thing. Because you have a, you get a big head because you're, you know, you, you can't walk into the room because you're so inflated. But that's not true. I remember growing up, and maybe John, you remember this. Your parents told you if you told somebody how good you are, then you're not that good. Let them find out for themselves. It's yeah. not like that anymore. It's not like you have to brag now, but you have to be able to tell them something that you're excited about, something that happened to you that's not on your resume, something that maybe an award you won. You know, something that you can say, this is what I've done. And th- and that just gives you another way to be that expert or to be confident. 
Yeah, well, Judy, you've done something here, and in, in, I think it's where your passion comes from, and I think it's a really important point for people if they heard heard what you said before. When you were selling insurance, right? This was about helping somebody that that family needed your help. That there's a, this wasn't about a job or selling an insurance or you know getting the underwriting done and getting the you know and moving on to the next one, right? Which is a lot of the mindset probably the guys were trying to tell you to do. But you, I, I'm guessing that in all these different things, right, from, you know, fuller brush, roofing, insurance, what you're doing now, you're always looking at how do you connect the what you do to the why you do it and how it helps people. Can you share that with people? Because I think some, in some places that's what's missing. And that, that you know, that also, uh, it's hard to be confident and be bold when I don't really am connected with, you know, why I'm doing it, if that makes sense. Well, first of all, you always have to remember your why. You know, sometimes people take a job because they have to pay bills and they have to take care of their family. And I say go for that. And that makes perfect sense. But you also have to be able to find something that you love. For me, my goal was to help one woman a day, just one. And mm-hmm. people would say to me, well, what about 10,000? What about 100,000? No, no. I only want to help one woman a day. If more come along, that's I want to help one woman a day. How do I help this one person, this one woman get to the point where she feels confident, where she feels like she can, she has the tools to be successful. It was the same thing with the families. I need to help one family a day to protect them. How do you protect one family? All it is was me, it was activity that I was in front of people and one family a day, which translated later on to one woman a day. And, you know, if you think about it exponentially, if you help one woman a day, how many women is she going to be helping? How many, if you help one family a day, how many families can they help? And so exponentially, it's not necessarily just one woman a day or one family a day, it's actually, it could be hundreds of thousands when all is said and done, because you think about how many people you're connected with. So to me, I had to start small. Well, it's a multiplication, you know, component. And it, you, like you said, if you own a niche and you are truly the expert, then all those people you're helping are going to tell all their friends that look like them, Right whether Mm -hmm. it's insurance or women or roofers. And so, you know, you're so right. I came up as the oldest in my family and I was a girl and my dad would, um, you know, often say, well, you know, don't, don't be so full of yourself. And, and you're so right. I spent my, my twenties and thirties sort of trying, always focusing on trying to be humble and I still do that, but but when I really became successful was when I just owned who I was and where my strengths were. And so, you know, as as a woman, I think that's something we we need to strive for, right? Like like know what you're great at and own it and be proud of it and wear it. You know, go get a t-shirt printed up that says I'm an expert at XYZ, right? That's right. And just that's right. And and tell everybody. Well, and you know, when I always ask people, do you let people, do you let everyone know what you're doing? And a lot of people say no. No, you know, not really. I mean, I know a lot of insurance agents that don't tell anyone they sell insurance. Because uh, are you embarrassed about it? Is it not, uh, you know, a good enough feel? I don't know what it is. So I always say to them, here's two things that'll happen. Number one, someone's going to say to you, hey, John, do you know so-and-so? Because she's the best insurance agent. Well, you're the insurance agent and you don't. Okay, so they're not referring you or God forbid a million times something happens and they say, you know, so and so was just diagnosed with, do you know anybody that writes health insurance? 
So he, either way, which is worse? They're both just as equally as bad. So if you don't want to tell people what you're doing so you can own that niche or you can own that title, don't do it. If you're embarrassed, don't do it. There's a reason why you shouldn't be in there. But I tell everybody, just tell everybody what you do. It doesn't matter. But give them, you know, something that they can actually hear about. You don't say, I sell insurance. I protect families. Oh, really? How do you do that? Because that's the conversation you want to start. If you sell, I say, I sell insurance, they put up the sign, you know, and they go, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, let me just, you know, let me leave now. Well, so. you know, it's interesting. One of my clients, he'd been in the insurance industry for over 30 years, and he was starting his own agency. And we sat down, we did some work together, and it was really, and this is how you start out your book, um, Walking on the Glass Floor, right? It's about living your purpose, discovering that calling. It's really about connecting to that why. And the first question I asked him, hey, what, I said, what, you know, what is the reason you started this company, right? And it has nothing, let's be real, it has nothing to do with insurance. And when, when he actually connected what he was trying to do, his passion for his people, developing his staff, uh, solving problems for his clients, becoming the expert that they were one of the first calls that they make when there's a real life situation. At the end of this process, Judy, he looked at me and goes, you know, I got to tell you, this is crazy. But for the first time in 33 years, I'm proud to say I'm an insurance because now I finally know why I'm insurance. And, and I got to tell you, that was like this pivot point for not only him, but his entire organization that they are now one of the top firms in the city that I'm in right now. Um, and I'd love for you to maybe share some thoughts about, you know, how do you, for some of those people that are trying to connect those dots, you know, to live life on purpose, to kind of find that as a calling, how do you, how do you help them? Well, you know, people always say to me, how do I find my passion? You, mm. No one can help you find your passion. You have to really feel it yourself. But I have to say that when I was in insurance, people would say to me, I don't even know what you're selling, but I need to, I need to meet with you because you're so excited about it. Now, if you <laughs> right? think about insurance and excitement, that's like an oxymoron because what are you excited about? But again, I go back to you have to find the reason you're doing this. And for me, it was protecting families. So when I'd be on the phone with you, now remember, we didn't have caller ID. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of this when I first started. You didn't have computers. You were at the mercy of somebody saying to you, yeah, show up and you know, here's where I am. But I would always talk to them as if they were going to be my client, whether they were or weren't. I would walk into places where someone was on an oxygen tank and I knew I couldn't write their business, but I did it as if I did the whole entire presentation because I needed to connect with these people. Well, guess what? I got more referrals from people I didn't write business from because they felt the connection. Mm. And that's what you have to do. You have to open yourself up so people feel that they get to know you. You don't want to be the interesting person. You want to be interested in them. And it's all about asking questions and listening. But in order for you to actually find what you're passionate about is you have to sit yourself down and say, why am I doing this? What do I, if I could do something and I didn't even get paid, what would it be? Because that's where you find your passion. And your passion may not be anything you're doing. Your passion could be, I like to oil paint. And here you are selling insurance. Well, maybe if you do really well in insurance, you have that extra money to go and do take oil painting classes or to go to Italy and paint or whatever. So you have to try to combine what you're doing with what you love to do. And that's what I did. Yeah, and Judy, I think it's pretty clear listening to you, right? One of your one of your core values, one of your passions is serving people, helping people. And I hope people heard this. You said that you if you walked in, it was immediately clear to you this is a family that you could not write insurance for, they wouldn't qualify 
But you know what? You don't walk away. You don't kind of like, okay, how do I get out of this quickly? You are all in. Is there one thing that I might be able to do to give them some advice or add some value that helped them in their situation, even though I'm not the person that can help them? And I think that mindset is so huge. And we've also talked about leadership. And I'd love for you to talk about how do you bring that mindset into how you work with other people? Um, because we had talked about one of the key pillars of really being not only successful, but being a great leader is not confidence, but the other one was generosity. And I think mm-hmm. this is this is what I'm hearing. It just oozes from you, this generosity of spirit. And I'd love for you to share some more about that. So I, you know, I do a lot with generosity. I talk to a lot of people about generosity. And the first thing that most people say to me is it's about money. And it isn't about money. But a lot of people say, I can't be generous because I don't have that kind of money. Well, I'm not sure what that kind of money looks like. Because I always say, what does that look like? You know, people don't have, you know, some extra cash to give someone. But the truth of the matter is, for me, generosity means giving of me. Like, what can I give? What can I offer you that would save you an hour, save you a dollar, whatever doesn't matter? What can I do to serve and support? And then I always ask people that. And if you go back to what Sandra said about owning your niche, when I ask you, how can I serve and support you? Who's your market? And they say, everyone, the curtain goes down. I can't, I can't see everyone. I can see what you tell me. You can't refer me to everyone, can you? That'd be be really awkward. Right. So I say to them, (laughs) well, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's shorten this up a little bit. So what does it look like? Who do you love to work with? You know, is it, you know, let's do something bizarre. It's mother of triplets that have red hair. Okay. That I can see. But when you say to me, I, everyone's my, my market, I can't do that. I want to be able to serve and support, but you also have to be able to receive it. And, and if you're not receiving it, then there's a, there's a challenge there. But I believe that the number one thing you could be generous with is your time. Your time is your most expensive asset. We all have the same exact amount of time. We have 86,400 seconds every single day. And when you go to sleep at night, it refreshes, but you can't go back. So if you if you mess up or if you waste your time, that's the end of it. So I like to make sure that when I offer my time, it's somebody that really wants my time, not that says, hey, yeah, you know, let's go have a coffee and let me, you know, pick your brains. Mm, Let's not what this is about. This is about let me help you. Let me support you. If you want to talk to me about a project, if you want to talk to me, how do I approach this? How do I start a business? I am more than happy to do that. And I do believe that there's a lot of people out there that will be generous with their time. And there are others that won't. And the ones that won't, if that's not your person, that's not your person. And that's why I would say, you'll know your person. All you have to do is say, can you help me? And if somebody says no, it's not your person. Just that's next. Yeah, what does it look like, you know, for folks out there listening right now, they're in in business, right? What does it look like to actually start being either generous with our time or more generous with our time? So I always say, look around where you are and look and see who is doing amazing things and don't ignore that person and look and see who's struggling and don't ignore that person and see who you can talk to, who you can help. You know, you can say to the person that's doing amazing things, I am so proud of you. You're, you know, you're soaring, you're a rock star. What are you doing? Do you need any support? The person that's struggling, you can say to them, you know, I see that there's, you have some challenges doing whatever, or there's opportunities for growth. What can I I support you with. But the other part of that is there'll be people that will do the same for you that'll say to you, I would like you, I would like to spend some time with you. I think what you're doing is amazing and I want to be part of that. Can you 
mentor me? Can you talk to me? That's being generous. Either you're giving your time to someone that needs it to grow or you're giving your time to somebody that's asking for you to mentor them. It's not that hard to do. You just look around. There are people everywhere that are willing to give and willing to take. And you just have to decide which side of the fence you're on. Yeah, when I when I was in the the Navy, Judy, one of the best leaders I ever worked for, uh, my commanding officer, where I'm actually flying down to Pensacola. This is 30 years later to spend some time with him. But I went into a stateroom and I said, "Hey, I want to be a commanding officer someday, like you. What advice would you give uh, to me?" And here, and this has been my this has kind of helped set my leadership philosophy ever since. He said, "Listen, every single day." I want you to find somebody in this squadron, senior to you, junior to you, in your department, outside your department, and you do something, no matter how small, that helps them personally and also helps the mission of this organization. And if you do that your whole career, you'll never have to ask that question, how do I get to that next level again? And you might never get any feedback or kudos or public affirmations, but trust me, um, it's it's going, that success, if you help other people be successful, you it, it's going to follow you. And I got to tell you, that was really powerful. Uh, well, it's, it, it's kind of what we were talking earlier, the mindset of abundance. And yeah. you wake up every morning thinking, well, if I give away my expertise or I give away my time or I give away my tips, then, you know, I, I'm sharing what I know and I'm not going to have it. If that's your mindset going into your day, then you've already lost. Totally. But if you wake up thinking, gosh, you know what? I have so much to offer and, and, you know, if I give it all away, the Lord's going to bless me with more in abundance. And so, um, you know, waking up with that spirit of abundance and just trying to, trying to give it all away, you know, reminds me of Bob Buford, John, you know, Mm. his, um, his mindset was that his last check before he died would bounce. And so just that spirit of abundance, like he literally, his goal was to give it all away. Now, in that example, it was money, but it was much more than money for him. And so if we wake up every morning like, hey, what, what can I give away? What can I give to people today? Um, gosh, just imagine the spirit we'd be walking in. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, and, and that's a perfect example of servant leadership. It really it truly is. Um, every day I find someone that I don't know and I say something nice to them. Mm. It could be what they're wearing, the color they're wearing. It could be anything or I, I like your energy. It doesn't matter what it is. And it's very interesting to me what happens. Either they are shocked. They have the, the deer in the headlights or they say thank you very quietly or they say nothing. And I always think that what if someone didn't say something nice to someone for weeks, months, years? What if, what if it never happens? And here I am saying something nice to them. Yes, it makes me feel good, but I just, I always imagine like, what does it make them feel like? Because I know, I mean, you know, there are times when nobody ever says anything nice to you. You know, oh, you're such this, you're that, whatever. And then all of a sudden someone says, you're amazing. You are awesome. Or you are, you do this, or you inspire me every day. And, and then you think, okay, all right, well, that feels good. I need to figure out how to do more of this, you know? And so I do this every day, every single day that I am outside, that I see a person I don't know. I, and it's not like I walk up and go, mm, let's see, who would I pick today? I just walk up to someone and I say it. And I did it the other day. And this woman was like, really? I look pretty today? I'm like, you look beautiful. I said, your, your energy is just amazing. And she said, no one's ever told me that. Wow. Okay. And that's generosity. That is complete generosity. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we you know, my thing I tell my kids, um, 
when you, if, if it's the drive through person at the Starbucks, right, I try to always remember the thing I have to say to them today might be the only positive thing they hear. Absolutely. And I really, really focus on my kids with that, you know, like if you just, if you don't say anything, that's just as bad as saying something negative. That's kind of the, what I've tried to ingrain in them. And just that, you know, what you say today could be the only positive thing they hear all day long. And it changes their day. Totally changes it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was meeting somebody the other morning for breakfast and we walked into this place and the woman that was helping us, she said, my name is so-and-so. And I said, oh my God, what a beautiful name. And she looked at me and I said, where does it, you know, what's the origin? And she was telling me. And so she was giving us glasses for water and she kept giving us glasses. I said, you overserve us. And she said, oh my God, she said, I'm so flustered, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> she, you know, she really didn't know. Most people don't say things like that. So it's just, it's very, it's always fun. It, it is. It's fun. And it's interesting. And, and it's so easy. I know. It's the easiest thing in the world to just open your eyes and see someone. Yep. And when someone is seen, truly seen by you, like you look in their eyes and you thank them and you say their name. I mean, that takes four seconds of your energy and can change someone's entire life. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's a, it, it is a human need and that is giving affirmations. And there's a difference between affirmation and flattery. Flattery is you're actually being, I, I think, either manipulative or I'm making it about myself. Uh, mm-hmm. But when I'm giving somebody a sincere affirmation, and I think, you know, cultures in organizations, companies that are an affirming culture are head and shoulders above any other place. And just a, a little, you know, when people say, you know, don't say, hey, I want to thank you like they do at the Grammys. Hey, I want to thank you. know why? I, I don't really want to thank you because it's really all about me. You know, go up to somebody and say, Judy, you know, thank you for, you know, who you are. You, you've just been so core to... Um, you know, your your beliefs and your values and, you know, what you say about that I really want to equip and empower people to become their best selves, regardless of the circumstances, even if it's not comfortable, you walk that out every single day. And I know that through touching the lives of one person at a time, I have no doubt that someday God's going to show you that ripple effect and it's going to be millions and millions of people that you actually had a positive influence on. And, and thank you. And you know what? Affirmation is something we should do more. And here's just a challenge to everybody out there listening. In the next 24 hours, whether it's the barista at Starbucks or your coworker or your spouse, go affirm them for something specific. You know, be honest. Look them in the eye. And you just watch the response like, like Judy was sharing before. And you know what? If you make that a habit, you're going to make the world a better place. Without question. And you don't, you know what? And it, it, it'll come naturally after a first couple of times that you do it. All of a sudden you'll see something you say, well, I need to say this. And, and you'll feel better than they do. That's the coolest thing. When you give it away like that, you wind up feeling better even than you made them feel. And that's mm-hmm. just, you know, that's just an amazing thing. You know, um, it kind of leads to that whole topic, John, you, you touched on it, but just human touch, right? Like lay your hand on someone's hand, touch their elbow, put your hand on their shoulder, you know, when appropriate, give them a hug. I I mean, the, the lack of human touch in today's world is very, um, is, is an epidemic really. And, and kindness. And so, you know, I'm not telling people to go out there and get arrested, but I'm saying <laughs> like, 
like look for opportunities. You know, when I when I hit a drive through and like the person's just absolutely miserable, I'll often just lay my hand, just put my hand on theirs for like a split second and say, hey, how can I pray for you, Fred? And that just changes their whole life. And, you know, you were you were talking, John, and I, I call it the one percent. You know, if you can change the trajectory of your life, you know, through this language and this positive affirmation by one percent over time, when you look back a year, five years, 10 years, that one percent all of a sudden has completely put you on a different continent. Right. Because one percent every day um, is just crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now, Judy, I'd love I'd love to bring this into the conversation because you are you are the gender expert. Thank you. And and, and Sandra has a background in this too, right? There's a lot of women listening right now. And, 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 uh, uh, you know, if you're a guy listening, tune into this next part and forward this to somebody you know. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of women out there that really want to succeed professionally. Uh, There's just a lot of things that are both systemic, you know, the, the whole hashtag me too, right? There's just a lot of things culturally right now, expectations, but we have more and more women coming into the workforce, uh, more and more women in roles that they haven't, you know, been in traditionally, even now it's expanding like STEM and other things. When I went to college 25 years ago, um, it was like 8% of engineering students were, were women. I, and I think it's like 45% today, right? So a lot of things that are shifting, some huge opportunities for women. So what advice do you have specifically for all, a lot of women out there that are really trying to compete and reshape this world, get paid for, you know, uh, fairly for the work that they're doing and have a great career? Well, first, it's not going to happen overnight. Okay, this is something that everybody's trying to work on. But with that said, we have to all work together. So when you go into in your company, if you want to be promoted and you're not ready to be promoted or they say they don't think you're ready to be promoted, ask, what do I need to do to get this promotion? What track do I need to do? What classes do I need to take? What what is it that I need to do? And then say to them, can you help me get there? Because if they know the journey that you want to take, it's much easier for them to help you. The other part of it is a lot of times there's opportunities that do come up that not everybody is privy to. As a man or a woman, if you know there's an opportunity that's coming up and you know somebody that is more qualified than anybody else thought, why not offer them that opportunity? Why not say to the person that is choosing or, you know, recruiting or bringing in whatever it is, why not say to them, you know, I I would like you to see Mary Beth, because I think she is the perfect person. And I think you should give her an opportunity. So, you know, it's all it has to work together. It's a change in culture. You know, if you think about let's just do insurance for a moment. If you just look at insurance, you know what insurance looks like. It's, you know, it's very heavily male dominated and it's all one particular demographic and they all look exactly the same except for their ties. So there's no change. <laughs> That's true. Right? Yes. Right. So there's no change. So how do you change look it? just like me? That's right. That's right. And my husband, like, ever, but the, the truth of the matter is that how do we change that? How do we open ourselves up and bring people to the table? That's part of it. Now, you know, a lot of times men would like to help women get into those opportunities, but they don't know how. And it's as simple as asking someone, where do you want to be? Like, what position are you looking for? Let me help you get there. 
And and that's truly what it is. You have to work together. We're we're um, almost finished with a training program that we're putting together. It is all about being, you know, equal, not identical. About how men and women can work together, how men can champion women, and how women can get into positions of leadership because they truly are qualified. I was promoted because I was female. I checked a box for people. I know I did, but when they saw my numbers, that's when they thought, "Ooh, that was a good choice." Even though it took a while for them to actually admit it. Today, it's a little bit different. You still have to prove yourself, but now there's more people that want you to get there. The, the push is really for bringing more women into leadership. The, the last or oh, Two weeks ago, there was an article that uh, women in Fortune 500 companies lost 25% of the women CEOs. Do you know how many women were in that 25%? 12. 12. That was 25% of all the Fortune 500 women leaders. Mm. Well, that, that doesn't even make sense to me. It doesn't even make sense. So why can we not, why, do, why can we bring a lot of women in on the ground level, but we can't elevate them? So you need to have sponsors and, you know, and champions. So, um, so there's kind of two sides of that. And let me ask you this side, right? As a, let's say it's a woman, right? What, what comfort level do you think a lot of women that you work with have in reaching up to their boss, even one or two layers up, and just say, hey, here's my career goals. I want a mentor. How do I qualify for this? You know, to, you know, to just kind of be sometimes just vulnerable and authentic, because that also opens you up maybe to some feedback uh, that you maybe need to hear, don't want to hear, you know, some things like that. But I'd love your, your thoughts on, you know, somebody sitting there, how do they reach up to actually find that mentor in their organization, get that, get that, you know, those next well, steps laid out? Whoever they want to choose to be a mentor, they have to do their homework. They have to find out why they're so good at what they do. What are they known for? Is there an award that they won? And you have to talk about that. If that's the position that you want or if you want them to help you, you have to be able to say, you know, John, I, I was looking at all the things that you do and you are, you've got all these awards in closing the deal or you've got all these awards in servant leadership. I really want to understand how did you do that? Can you help me? Well, you're either going to say yes or no, okay? And, and those are the two options. If you say no, and it was for servant leadership, then that's pretty bad. But if you say, <laughs> right? <laughs> but if you, yeah. say, if you say no, so I would love to, but I, I just don't have the time, but I would love for you to work with so-and-so, it's the same thing. You're still getting the, the, the person to help you get through that. If the person says yes, and you start working together, and they're not the right person, you also need to end that. You know, so there's all different pieces that go with it. But I, I always do my homework and I would say, you know, so you've done so well in X, Y, and Z. I would love to learn how to do that. Can you help me? And if the person says yes, like, that's wonderful. If they say no, then I'm, it's next. I, I can't even take it personally. But you also have to be prepared to ask for feedback and to receive the feedback. And sometimes, like you said, the feedback may not be what you want. But that also helps you grow as a leader. You know, if they said to you, well, your communication skills are really awful. I don't ever understand anything you're talking about. You talk too much. What? Okay, well, that's going to teach me, okay, I am. I have to be a little bit more brief. Somebody once said to me, um, you're a real feminist. And I said, what does that look like? Because I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, and what does said, that even mean? Yeah. So she said to me, well, you, you talk a lot about, you know, women in leadership. So is that 
being a feminist? And she said, yeah, that's exactly what a feminist is. I'm like, okay, then I'm a feminist. I mean, I, you know, that was her, that was her idea. She was not the right person for me to continue a conversation with. I knew that it was a negative thing. I moved along. So you just have to find the person and say to them, I know you're good at this and this and this. And they understand that you did your homework. And that, that's also points. They, everybody gives you scores, you know, like, so the, oh, you've done your homework. So you probably do want to really do this. You know, that's, well, I'm sure you, you know, found that. As, oh, go ahead, Sandra. No, I was going to say, but you know, what's interesting as women, um, you know, we tend to not want to ask for help, right? We want to prove that we can do it. We want to prove that we can spin the plates and raise the kids and do the home and do the job. And, um, you know, we're, we don't want to ask for help. We don't want to, um, you know, put ourselves out there, basically. So I, I think when I've seen people get over that, that's what made the most difference. Yeah. And women don't like to ask for help. But the truth of the matter is you can't do you can't get through life by yourself. I don't care what you do. You can't do it by yourself. So if you ask one person to support you, th- the first time you ask is the hardest time. It is. But it's like anything else. You're out of your comfort zone. But guess what happens when you're out of your comfort zone? All of a sudden, that becomes your new comfort zone. So don't get comfy because you're going to do it again. So I, I mean, I always hated asking for help. I would just rather do it myself. It's easier. I don't have to ask. And if somebody says no, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I started asking. I need help in this. I can't do this by myself. And that's what I do. You know, that's, you know, and, and you said, uh, when we were, before we hit record too, you said you had somebody who was an executive of a company who was a man. He's, he just loves this. And he asked you a great question. How do I be a champion for women? So what's the message that you have for a lot of the men that are out there, uh, listening right now, Judy, and they're, they just, they love this whole topic. They're like, man, I am all in, but how do I, how do I do it better? So, you know, the interesting thing is, John, I did a talk for a company and at the end, all the men came up to me and said, we never get this kind of training. Everybody thinks this is just for women and it's not. Men need to understand the soft skills. Men need to understand what it takes to have the people skills and so men need true. to understand. Right. So anyway, so the, every, all the men came up to me. It was very interesting. But this last week when this man said to me, I want to champion women, I just don't know how to do it. Mm. And my answer to him was, you know, think about what's available in your company. What what positions are coming up? What advice can you give someone? How can you mentor them? You have to be able to really want to mentor and sponsor and champion women. You have to be able to find opportunities for them or explain to them, here's what you need to do and be the person that stands up for them when an inappropriate comment is made Mm. or you know, like there, a friend of mine went into a boardroom. She was the only female, which is nothing unusual. And one of the guys said to her, hey, honey, get me a cup of coffee. And the guy next to her said, her title is higher than yours. Get your own coffee. There was a champion right then and there. Good for him. Absolutely. That's you know? awesome. You know, and yeah. it's the same thing, I think, with a lot of racial issues. A lot of people are very insensitive to it because... You know, quite frankly, a lot of, you know, folks that look just like me have never experienced what others have. And, you know, little things that we, you know, we don't take seriously, like, hey, can you, you know, can you get me a cup of coffee? Right. It really comes across as like completely demeaning and degrading and uh, offensive. Um, And you know what? And we need to have that feedback uh, and make those changes just as much. Right. Uh, That's really important. And that's part of the culture. 
Yep. That's part of the culture change. The, we were, uh, my husband and I were at a party and a man made a very inappropriate comment to me in front of my husband. Very inappropriate. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do with this. Because to me, I, all the things that were coming up in my head were, were just as inappropriate. And I did. And, <laughs> they were beautiful one-liners, weren't they? As they oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. And so he, <laughs> so he turned around and he looked at the man and he said, you know, she's one of the most intelligent women I know. And we walked away. And I thought that was like the best way that you can show that you champion a woman. He didn't get into this, like, what are you saying? It's my wife. How do you say? He didn't do that. He said, she's one of the most intelligent women that I know. And we walked away. And it was fine. And, and it made sense. And it was like the best line he could have possibly have said. Um, again, I knew he was hoping I wasn't going to say anything you know, because I, <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to say. But I thought there's a there's an example of how you champion women. You, you know, you tell people this is who they are. This is you know, you don't have to get down to their level because it's just as ugly when you get down to their level. So when you're in a business setting, you know, talk about business. Don't talk about the nonsense that's getting everybody into trouble with me, too. Don't. Why, why do you need to talk about anything other than business? Let's talk about how we can grow the business. Let's talk about how we can, you know, increase our bottom line. Let's talk about projects we could do together. Let's talk about that. And then when you want to champion a woman, introduce her to that project. Introduce her to the right people. Men network differently in a company. Introduce her to the people that you network with because if they're important for you to know, they're probably just important for her to know. If it's, a, you know, let's go play golf, invite her. What's the worst she's going to say? No. You know, she's not going to she's she's not going to be upset. She'll be more upset if you don't invite her. Well, that's so true. Like like of- my wife is my total secret weapon. I'm really good at, you know, developing new relationships. Donna's that's not her comfort zone. But if I introduce Donna to somebody and there's a connection there, she it, she can grow a a new relationship into a lifelong friendship honestly better than I can. And so us working together in business now and understanding each other's strengths and always encouraging each other has just been incredibly powerful. So, and you know, something else that comes to mind too is, you know, both the men and the women out there, those people that are your peers or report to you, sit down and actually ask them, hey, wh- what do you think you need to do? What are your goals here? Why are you doing this? How, are, you know, does, are, is your, do you feel passionate about coming to work on Monday? What can I do to help you and serve you and support you to get to, whether it's a sales goal, Right. I want to hit this milestone. I want to get this bonus. I want to, you know, get this feedback from clients. But, you know, it's about just bringing humanity back to the workplace and having real conversations with people because you really have a genuine interest in helping them succeed. And I think if we actually just take that into work, man, it can be just a a much just a very different place. I know. And a lot of times people are in a position that they really don't want to be in and they don't know how to tell you, I don't really want to be here. When I was, um, I was, I had three different agencies. And when I was in the Carolinas, there was a gentleman that I inherited who was a sales leader and he was a terrible sales leader. He was, he had his own way of doing things. Nobody that he took out on the road could do anything that he did. It was very confusing, but he was the nicest person ever. And so I, I printed out every single report I could find and we sat down and I said to him, so I want you to look at these reports. Tell me what you think. And he's looking at them and he's looking at them. And he says to me, you know, what, Miss Judy, I shouldn't be a sales leader. And I said, why is that? He said, because I don't do any of the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't want to do any of that. Is it okay if I step backwards? Well, that's a different conversation. And all of a sudden, it was a conversation that was really important to him that nobody offered him 
a, t- a chance to have that conversation. When we pushed him back to being a producer, he, his numbers went through the roof. He was so happy. He w- all the, the pressure was taken off him. And that's a conversation. Sometimes it's those difficult conversations you need to have. And sometimes it's male, female, male, male, female, female. It doesn't matter. But sometimes as, as a leader, you have to have those conversations. And they usually work out for the best. Yeah, I agree. Now, how do people connect with you? So, um, what's your website? How they get in touch with you? Find out more about your speaking, your training, uh, your books, everything. So you can go to uh, Selling in a Skirt dot com or walking on the glass floor dot com and in the next couple of weeks we'll have a one one uh, website that'll connect the two it'll be judyhoberman.com so they'll be able to connect if sales and leadership but right now it's selling in a skirt dot com and walking on the glass floor dot com I am all over so, uh, social media you can find me either at Judy Hoberman or and you know selling in a skirt walking on the glass floor I'm everywhere Judy it's just been an absolute pleasure I see Sandra just, Sandra's at a baseball game go ahead Sandra no, I'm just thrilled. I, I, you know, Judy and I are neighbors. We're like yeah. minutes apart. And so it's so funny. Every time she says something, I'm like jumping up and down in my chair here at the, I'm at the 9U World Series watching my kid pitch right now. And, and, you know, able to sit here and, and talk to you guys. So how cool is, how cool is this? And, and talk about topics that are near and dear to my heart. So thank you, Judy. We're so thrilled to have you. Thank you, and I can't wait till you and I have, get to, a chance to hang out in person because we're right down the street from each other. Absolutely. Yeah, and Judy, there's so much more we can talk about. I, if you if you are willing, we would love to have you come back on maybe a couple months down the road and, and just dive into another aspect of this topic because it, it, it's so important. Thank you for what you do, who you are, and I, uh, I can't wait to our next conversation. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you both, and I'm excited. 